Hey everybody, welcome to episode 44 of the Virtual Couch. That's right, there's no mistake, no music leading up to today's episode because I'm calling this a bonus episode. I'm still Tony Overbay, licensed marriage and family therapist, certified mindful habit coach. But on this episode today, I just wanted to bring to you the audio files of a interview that I was a part of a couple of weeks ago on my friend Ashley Noel's radio show. Um, It's also a podcast and you can find Ashley at her Facebook page primarily and you can find links to her radio show and some videos that she's done and her Facebook page is facebook.com slash Coach Ashley Noel, and that's A-S-H-L-E-Y-N-O-E-L-L-E. But Ashley, as you will hear, she tells her story. She lays that out. She's uh, she's a little bit bold. She kind of tells it like it is, but she brings a lot of humor, a lot of strength-based work to women, and she her big message is that you do have worth. Um, she's very open early on that she grew up um, as uh, in, a, in a good faith-based home. Uh, she is a member of the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints. She's, uh, she's a Mormon. And she talks about that and kind of what that was like and, and her relationship with sex and sexuality and, uh, and then kind of her journey that led her down a path of um, sex addiction and compulsive sexual behavior and, and what that did to her worth. But more importantly, she talks about how she got herself out of that situation and not only got herself out of that situation, but she now she thrives and she helps others. Um, she does a lot of volunteer work. She has a, a very successful coaching practice. And I highly encourage any of the, my women listeners in particular who may be struggling with sex addiction or compulsive sexual behavior to reach out to Ashley through her Facebook page. Um, I think the snort count is pretty high on this. So there is a lot of fun. And there are even some times where I find that all of a sudden I'm interviewing Ashley. And uh, but we, we talk about that. And so I'm just grateful for her having me on her show. You can go find the video of this. I've got a Vimeo page, um, you know, Vimeo's uh, online. I feel like I'm explaining to people, you know, Vimeo is on your computer, kids. It's uh, like this YouTube, but it's a little bit different. Um, but I've got a Vimeo page. It's the virtual couch. But I'm realizing now as of the release of the website, TonyOverbay.com, if you go to the podcast section, by the time you hear this, I will have this podcast there and I'll also have uh, the video there as well. So it's a lot of fun to just, um, Ashley's just hilarious to interact with, but man, she, she delivers a very good message. Again, you have worth. And uh, we talk more about the um, what shame kind of does, especially in the world of addiction, to how it's not productive. But I love the part where Ashley so normalizes what her journey was like of, of knowing that what she was doing was not what she ultimately wanted to be doing the rest of her life of acting out. Uh, you know, with um, sex addiction, compulsive sexual behavior. But she talks really, I just, I love how she kind of talks about how difficult that was, though, to kind of start to move toward that, the positive behaviors, the things that would get her out of the place that she was at. And uh, and again, it's a great message of hope and one that, that ultimately says you have worth, you can get through difficult situations, even when they feel like um, like you can't and, uh, and that there is light at the end of the tunnel. And not only again, can you get through them, but you can thrive. I mean, Ashley, again, doing amazing things. So go check her out facebook.com slash coach Ashley Noel. And, uh, please do check out, um, tonyoverbay.com. I would encourage you to sign up there. I've got some really cool programs that are coming up, uh, that, uh, you can find out more information about just by signing up. There's a place about midway through that homepage that, uh, if you sign up there, 
Um, I have some couples communication uh, programs coming up soon. Also one that I'm developing about um, living with someone with a personality disorder like narcissism, that sort of thing. Some pre-marriage uh, programs as well. So sign up there. I, I highly encourage anyone, if you are struggling from the effects of betrayal trauma, to please uh, go by go stop by bloomforwomen.com. And uh, they have an amazing evidence-based, strength-based uh, website that has programs, communities, videos, um, just a lot of things you can do to help move forward and heal from the trauma that is caused by betrayal, betrayal of a spouse. And uh, go to bloomforwomen.com. And when you sign up, you if you use the code virtual couch, all one word, you get a, a month's free access to their um, to getting behind their wall and, uh, and access to all their programs. So I would highly encourage that. Um, thank you for all of your amazing support and, uh, look forward to seeing you. I've got a great episode coming up next week too, assuming that everything goes through at the end of the week with the interview. Um, so I don't want to spoil that, but, uh, should have a, a really, really exciting interview on Monday, but now, uh, sit back, relax. And here is my, uh, me going on Ashley, coach Ashley Noel, intimacy and relationship, specialist coach show called coach on fire radio and uh i will see you next time on the virtual couch we got all kinds of things hitting record look at that there's sound waves boom boom ready yep set Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, listeners, wherever you are in the world. I'm your host, Ashley Noel, and welcome to my show, Coach on Fire Radio, Escaping Sex Addiction. Today, we are going to talk all about shame and guilt. And a little bit um, on my background before we go into that is I am an ex-addict myself, and I have been through this journey, and it was very long and very hard. And I have the, but I have the ability to be very blunt and very forward. And that can typically get me in trouble. So I decided to take that ability and use it to help other people. So here I am speaking out about my past addiction and how to help you guys in your addiction because I feel like it's mostly geared towards men. And people always assume that sex addiction, pornography addiction, is only for men and there's not a ton out there so listen to my show if you want to learn all about escaping sex addiction for females and knowing your self-worth learning how to find out your triggers and all the things that are playing into this addiction all right so today's episode i'm super excited i am no oprah but oprah has this episode where it's like her 100 favorite things or whatever it is so since I'm not Oprah, I don't have 100 favorite things or whatever, but I do have a favorite person, and his name is Tony Overbay, and I'm super excited to have him here today. He is a licensed marriage and family therapist, and he is also the developer of The Path Back, which is an online pornography addiction recovery program. So he is here to talk all about his faith-based program and guilt and shame and how it all applies into this addiction. What if I don't say anything now and I just go silent, right? And it sounds like do you're it. just talking to yourself, right? We'll do this. Okay. Oh, wait. Do you have sound effects? We have a board? Oh, woo. 
Oh, is that what it does? Okay. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. You know, and with that, I, thank you for the intro. And the Oprah thing makes me want to now tell you. I was saving this for the end. But when you reach under your seat, there's an envelope. You've got a car waiting in the parking lot for you. So congratulations. That's great because mine's in the shop. Oh, so. okay. All right. I, I wish it was that easy, right? But no, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be here. And I love in your intro where you talk about that you maybe are a little more blunt, right? Mm-hmm. But I think that's what's been fun to work with you is I think it t- I have a tendency to not be, right? I don't want to go down the, the traditional uh, therapist, you know, tell me how you feel about that. I mean, I'm trying not to be that cheesy. Cliché. Clichéd, right? But, uh, but I think that you do a nice job, though, of just like... Can I just kind of tell you how it is, right? And so uh, I like that. Nice mix, a little yin and yang going on here, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but thank you for the intro. You bet. I, I created an online pro- a program called The Path Back, and um, it's a faith-based pornography addiction recovery program, um, kind of, and it is more um, geared, you know, to be honest with you, I haven't necessarily geared it toward men versus women, but man, I think as a male that's kind of leading the program that the overwhelming majority of people that come to my program are are men. So yeah, so I really do feel like there's a big gap there as far as programs for women. And that's why I kind of love what you're doing. And I was talking about on my last episode, how there's so many things out there for men, just because for women to admit it, there's so much shame and there's so much slut shaming. And it's like, like, it's not okay to be addicted to sex or porn or have any of those one night stands. Whereas for guys, it's like, woohoo, high five, bro. Yeah. And that is so frustrating. Um, you know, it's, uh, I, what, what my mind goes to with that too, is I'm grateful that I feel like the, the talk about pornography addiction has moved from, um, you know, it's only the faith-based people that care. We now know that pornography addiction warps sexuality. Um, the fastest growing group of um, people with erectile dysfunction are 18 to 25 year old males. I mean, so we're not just talking about something that is, um, that is a small problem anymore. It's, it is kind of grown. It's a really big problem. But I think with that, there are a lot more guys that feel like they can talk about this problem. But you're right. I, when I listen to your episode, um, you're right. So I feel like a guy can now kind of say, Hey, this is my problem. But a woman still is like, Oh, no, not women though. Right. Right. Yeah. But I always like to, let me make it very clear that addiction um is not what's the word i'm looking no for? respecter it's, of persons it, right, right, right. it doesn't discriminate there you go. that's what i was yeah, looking yeah, for yeah. it doesn't discriminate anyone can be addicted to something um mm-hmm. it's kind of all about personalities too and it can be biological effects as well um so nobody's free immune. from it. nobody's immune yeah. to addiction right um, and then this is one where, you know, I was at a, I was at a 12 step meeting that I was facilitating at one point and I thought it was pretty funny too. So not funny. It was very touching and very, <laughs> it was a very interesting story. The guy put it so well where it was around the holidays and he talked about how he had come to this meeting and he had 90 days of sobriety from pornography and, and masturbation, that sort of thing. And everybody in the room, it was this men's only group and everybody was really excited for him. But he talked about how now if he went to Thanksgiving dinner and did the thing where he like ding, ding, ding on the glass. It's yeah. like attention, everyone, you know, because he said if he told everybody that he was 90 days sober from alcohol, he would get applause. But he was like, I have not viewed pornography or masturbated for 90 days. Right. Then it would be crickets and people would like kind of you know, you hear a chair push back yeah. and a needle scratch on the record player and, you know. Some mashed potatoes. Am I exactly, right? <laughs> right? How about that Thanksgiving, huh? Uh, a little tryptophan. Who wants a nap? Um, so so I'm grateful that we're, we're being able to give this more of a voice. But, yeah, it still is primarily something that's hidden in guilt and shame. Yeah, absolutely. And I was talking to you earlier about the difference between there's two forms of shame. So there's... Wait, can I set the table first with this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a Thanksgiving callback, by the way, right? Yeah. Set the table? Yeah, Get yeah, it? yeah. Yeah, I get it. 
Thank you. You're All right. Welcome. So I, I actually wrote some notes. Um, so because because I deal in the world of guilt and shame a lot because, you know, um, when we're doing work around pornography addiction, compulsive sexual behavior, I think the old school thought was if we can get enough guilt behind it, then we'll 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 stop. We'll knock it off. Right. We now know that that is absolutely the wrong thing to do, that uh, guilt and shame only feed the addiction more. Right. right? So I kind of laid out. Um, so uh, guilt and shame. So. um all right, I should have uh, had my notes ready. You ready for this? Yeah. Okay. This is my big build-up. Actually, is what I'm notes. doing. Exactly. You like that? Yeah. That's how important you are. I want. I like feel pressure to Bye-bye. really deliver. Right. So here we go. Um, all right. So the negative thought is that you uh, you believe or always told yourself is that guilt should keep you sober. So I feel like a lot of us have felt like guilt is a good thing. I mean, I think that that has kind of been something that we've felt a lot. And here's why. Because guilt is a very normal emotion. We have guilt if we feel bad about something. If we forget somebody's birthday or if we, um, you know, leave a kid uh, at school, we're supposed to pick them up. Not that's ever happened before. A guilt if we eat an entire bag of Reese's eggs this morning. <laughs> just the hypothetical thing, Gosh, like I we feel guilt. guilt, right? <laughs> so those are guilt. And, and, I, and I like to say in my um, practice that, um, you know, that guilt, it's, it's normal. So we have those feelings of guilt at times because we are human beings. If we didn't feel a little bit of, of guilt around maybe cutting some old woman off at the store, then where, where's our empathy or that sort of thing, right? right. Um, and, and, and we'll kind of, you know, so guilt can, that, that's where some of that guilt comes from. The difference, though, between guilt and shame is that they are similar emotions, um, but there are big differences. So, again, guilt, feeling bad about something. Shame, though, takes guilt up a few notches. So shame is rather than just saying, my bad, you know, I feel bad that I did that. Shame then says, okay, the reason why you did that is because you are a complete failure, You'll, you'll never do anything right. You'll never be better. Um, you know, once shame kind of gets going, I always say that then that's when all the other negative thoughts jump in and they're like, oh, wait, we're, uh, we're beating up Ashley right now. Who else has some stuff, right? And it's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, well, you're, you, you can't, you know, your dog doesn't do tricks well and your kid's this. And, you know, and it's like, so when shame jumps in, shame then basically says, um, you are, you are, you're no good, right? Right. So guilt is, is kind of a feeling of, oh, I, I shouldn't have done that. But then shame is saying, Hey, by the way, you did that because you're a complete failure. Failure? Why? Failure? Failure, and then you'll never get over this. Wow. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Snort number one. Do we have the tally marks going? (laughs) It's mental. There we go. All right. So, but I mean, so that's the part where I say then. So shame. Now, when you have shame, then that's not a productive thought, right? So shame is going to be the thing that then makes you feel worse about yourself, which can lead to feelings of hopelessness, which eventually lead to feelings of isolation. And once you have those kind of negative thoughts, then guess guess what the brain says we can do to make you feel better? We can act out, right? Yeah. Yeah. And thus we see a vicious cycle. Boom. I was worried I like about it. like stumbling over the word cycle at that point. You I know? know. Yeah. Do you feel shame over that snort or no? No, I feel guilt that I did not <laughs> deliver well in your podcast, but I do not feel shame. Maybe a little because bit. Because you acknowledged it? Yeah, I owned it. Yeah, I, I stumbled over my words. That's a, that's a great example. Boom. I did this on purpose, Ashley. Right? Perfect. See what I did there? If you look deeply at my notes, it says, "Here's where I mess up the word." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Definitely, I see yeah. snort right in there. And yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, that's a great example, though. So I'm yeah, so I do. Yeah, I feel guilty because I want this to go smooth. I want you to look good because I think that you you're doing some amazing work. So I feel bad that I completely hijacked your podcast. But if I felt shame about it, if I felt like, "Geez, Tony, you're a complete moron and an idiot," yeah, and then I kind of shut down here, then that's well, it's not a. We're actually going to pause the. 
the podcast now, the hey. show. And and we're back. <laughs> <laughs> and we're live. That's right. Can you still see the tear streaks on yeah. my face? And Ashley had to coax me out of a corner. And um, yeah, I got to change of clothes now because uh, the tears just moisten my shirt. Yeah, that's okay. fair. All right. Yeah, so guilt and shame, uh, bad. Okay. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. But how it plays into... You were talking about toxic shame, right? Right, right. So, okay. the, so the two different forms of shame that I was um, thinking about earlier this morning is there's normal shame and then there's toxic shame. And normal shame is all geared around like, okay, I stole something, so... What I'm did just... you say? Is this a confession? What did you steal? No, this is not a confession. Oh, gotcha. Okay, go ahead. It... <laughs> And then, or it's like, okay, you want to close the door in the bathroom because, you know, mm. you need to hide yourself. Like those kind of like normal situations okay. where it's like, okay, this is what I did or whatever. Yeah. Um, but then toxic shame is all geared towards, it's not what you did, but this is who you are. Okay. You are flawed. You are unworthy. Um, and that is very destructive mm-hmm. and it, how it plays into addiction is especially with sex addiction and especially for women and already being slut shamed on top of it. Then it's like, okay, well we're not worthy of anything. Mm. Our, who we are as a person is not good enough. So we put our body out there. Okay. Like there was a point in time in my addiction where I would start talking to guys and within seconds we were talking inappropriately or I was just programmed to send out a picture that was like slightly suggestive. Or suggestive. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And every now and then, um, you know, most guys respond mm. uh, in a positive way. But every now and then I would get that guy who would be like, what is that about? Okay. And I immediately was like, oh, yeah. my gosh. I remember working with the – Okay. When called you out in what way? On like, just like – Immediately, like without even saying, like, how's your day? Mm. Let's get to know each other. It was yeah. like, boom. Yeah. Here's like a cleavage shot or something, right? And super suggestive. And he was like, where did that even come from? Well, so I love that. So I worked with a client at one point and we were kind of talking about, you know, when we talk about maybe views on sexuality being warped over time or that sort of thing where this person, it was a, it was a woman and, and she did. She was like, you know, I just would send a, a just a kind of a normal, hey, how you doing picture in the morning. And so... You know, and I'm not going to say show me the picture, but at, at one point I was like, okay, what what is this normal picture, right? right. And she was like, you know, I, I'm in my bra, I'm just sitting there on the bed, and I'm like, <laughs> okay, all right. So kind of let me, yeah. So when I, when a guy gets a picture like that, he's not just like, oh, look at you know her bedding looks nice, right? <laughs> and it was funny because she was like, yeah, but I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I don't mean anything by it. I'm like, okay, but now to unfortunate, you know, that his male brain is like, oh, okay, here's what she wants to do, right? Right. So I felt like she wasn't even giving herself a chance to have that healthy relationship. Yeah, I think we become so numb to it yeah. uh, where it's like, okay, well, yeah, I'm just in my bra laying in bed. I just woke up. Right. Like, of course. How many people, like, like guys, guys can send a picture shirtless um, at the gym or after swimming or getting ready in the morning. And it's not like, oh, my gosh, are you serious? Like, yeah. Gotcha. How inappropriate, so yeah. right? Yeah. Right. But if I just wake up, if I'm in a tank top with a little bit of cleavage or something, then it's like, oh, well, how are you doing? Yeah, little yeah. lady. You know, and it's like, um, well, my face is swollen. I sleep on my stomach. My hair is a mess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it's like that's how I'm doing. So, but it, they're, they're so different. Yeah. It's viewed 
incredibly different. Now, and that's is, frustrating. Okay, and it is funny though because even and maybe this is my I'm you know I'm an old man, so maybe this is my version of my get off my lawn moment, like yeah. that old people do. But where it's like in my world, I'm I'm sometimes trying to bring this awareness to somebody of does that you know does that kind of good morning picture does it need to happen even you know. So when you when you believe that it doesn't matter who you are, because these yeah. guys are going to be asking questions like, so what do you do for a living? You know, blah, blah, blah. How old are you? Uh, whatever. They don't really care. Right. They really don't. They ask a few basic questions to initiate conversation. Like, get look, you I interested. care. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, let's see the pictures. Yeah, definitely. And so... When you, no matter how long you're talking for, if it's a short span of time or a long span of time, uh, you immediately realize, well, none of this even matters because it'll never get brought up again. Mm. Or, you know, he doesn't ask follow-up questions like, oh, so what do you do? Oh, I'm a life coach. Cool. So uh, you're exactly. free this Friday? Right. Right? So yeah. it's like, okay, well, it doesn't matter who I am. It doesn't matter what so I I'm a serial do. killer. That's nice. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. You so, didn't pay attention. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, like, Thursday, am I right? You know, (laughs) (laughs) just like, uh, right. So you, then you just start to, you devalue yourself and you're like, well, if that doesn't even matter, then why even get to the small talk? Just skip it. Get to the point. Give me what I want. Give me what we're both here for. And so you're saying you kind of feel like at some point your, your value is kind of based around those pictures or that sort of thing. Oh yeah. So do you think that, um, so I dig this so that where my mind goes is that I think a lot of people when I've worked with, uh, you know, I've had worked with a handful of, um, female sex addicts and, and people around them are, you know, even saying, well, uh, hasn't he told you to just like stop or hasn't he told you to, you can't do that anymore. Or, you know, and it's like, well, the person I'm working with kind of already knows that's the goal, but they're so kind of caught up in the addiction that that's not, possible at times right so i feel like where i'm headed with this is that sometimes in one of those moments i want to say hey we gotta like we gotta take a whole different look at your view on what is quote normal right right but it's like when somebody's caught up in that where they do have multiple guys that they're sending the pictures out to and and i'm trying to say okay let's get you to this place where you're in in this healthy relationship where these guys aren't even the kind that you're interacting with so you you know because i like how you're saying when you're caught up in that it's just kind of like, well, let's just cut to the chase. Let's get to where we're, we're going to get to. They don't really care about me as a person. And and it's like as a therapist, sometimes that breaks my heart because I'm saying, right, so let's like not interact with them anymore. But it's like you can't just say that or the person's going to go away. They're like, this guy doesn't get it, you know, the therapist or whatever. So I feel like those moments are when I'm trying to say, okay, um, I hear you. Let, let's kind of stay with what you're working with there. And how, how do I convince you or how do I stay with you long enough that then you start to find value in yourself? That make any sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's okay. where I come in and I just straight up say, exactly. stop dealing with <laughs> yeah. douchebags. Yeah, they exactly. They don't care. Okay. If they, yeah, if they don't oh, really yeah. care, then why are, why are you wasting your time? Why are you giving them this piece of you? Mm-hmm. Um, because I've always been very firm, especially um, growing up LDS, where sex and intimacy, I will never devalue that in my head, at least. Yeah. I, I recognize that I did that with my body and my actions. But it is very sacred, and it is all about uniting two people to be one, and the love, and the bond, and like just how strong and sacred and um, real and raw that moment is. Yeah. And when you devalue that, and you're giving that piece of yourself to somebody who truly doesn't care, yeah. they'll never talk to you again. They just wanted your body. They appreciated your looks. 
Um, and so you just, you're just slinging it out. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter. And so you get to those moments where it's like, well, who cares how yeah. they treat me? Yeah. You know, this is strictly platonic. This is just what we're here for, which is sex and the validation and the flirting or a free dinner or whatever mm. it is that you're in it for. None of that matters anymore. You're like what bond? Yeah. You know, so like, so I, I became so numb to it where I didn't care anymore. I was like, you know, it, it, it meant nothing to me. Sex yeah. was nothing but pure pleasure and just, okay, well, what can you do differently? Yeah. So when somebody was asking you or maybe your family or, or any you know people that you were your friends or those close to you, when they would say things like, hey, don't do that, you're putting yourself in danger, those sort of things. So are you kind of saying you knew that, but... But at some point, it didn't really matter. Oh, duh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, never in my life would I be like, hey, you guys should try being sex addicts. Gotcha. Okay. You, you definitely just show up to a random guy's house and uh, trust him with everything. Or even if you don't trust him, just do it anyways. Yeah. You know, because that you you put yourself in all these risky situations and you don't know who's going to be on the other side of that door when you get there. If there's... The person you were talking to, if it's somebody different, if it's a group of people who are going to take advantage of you, um, is this person going to be aggressive, um, whatever it may be. Yeah. But you're literally so dead inside, it doesn't matter anymore. You're like, mm. well, who cares if I, you know, um, if it gets aggressive, if I get hurt physically, if it's not exactly what I expected or who I expected, Uh yeah, you, you just, you don't care anymore okay. because you're so ashamed anyways. And you're like, well, this is who I am now. And I listened to your, I listened to your episode last week too. And then you, you kind of had to have that moment where you just said, okay, um, enough. And it was more about like just making it through every minute. Um, what do you think got you there? I realized I just flipped the script. Now I'm interviewing you, right? <laughs> Okay, I can't help it. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> we we've talked so much about this. Yeah, it's, it's easy to kind of just go right, right. Forward. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, I think it was. It was those um, attempts on taking my life yeah. and being in danger multiple times, and uh, just how miserable I truly was. I mean, I was seeking daily pleasure and all this affirmation, you know, people everywhere. There was never an unlimited supply of people telling me how attractive they thought I was. And so, but inside it, I didn't believe a single word. Mm -hmm. and, so, and so you just kind of, you needed more and more and more. Yeah. I, I liked when you, you know, when you talk about that, um, I love that I've used this this week in some sessions where, when you said, um, when you kind of thought about, okay, if I get rid of all of that and have to do the, you know, the cliched focus on me, right? Yeah. Then it's like, that's pretty boring. What do I do all day? Right? Seriously. Isn't okay. that, that's embarrassing though. No, it was great. Day. No, it was great because it helped me as a therapist because I'm, you know, I am so trying to sell people on, right? I mean, I hear you. I want to validate you and all this stuff in a moment, but it's right. like kind of, you know, let's, can we start doing even, give me like five minutes of maybe mindfulness stuff or, mm -hmm. you know, I've got my theory I call the emotional baseline where it's really, it's about self-care. It's about trying to find other hobbies and passions and whatever it is that kind of can bring you even a little bit of joy to kind of bump up this 
baseline of emotions to put you in a better spot to kind of do even more work on yourself. And I feel like when I'm working with clients, when they are kind of in that in that low, I feel like you know you can almost watch their eyes just kind of glass over when I start going into this. Oh yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Like yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, sorry, right, right, right. Mindfulness, breathe, uh, do a little bit of reading, uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, blah, so blah, I got blah. eight guys that are you know. I'm like, ah, <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. Okay. So, but I liked how you kind of put that. Um, so, but you're kind of saying that once you kind of hit that low, then it was, then things got real, as the kids say. Yeah. Okay. As the kids say. Yeah. It's me sound like an old man again. Yeah. Did I already tell you to get porch. off my lawn? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, and it's hard because you go in between feeling empowered by your body mm. and knowing the attention you're getting and the things that people are willing to do to go out with you to hating yourself and every inch of yourself. Um, and so there's this weird balance where some days it's like, ugh, I'm the worst person in the world. I am disgusting. If my family only knew, if mm. my friends only knew all the details, then like, like you said, at Thanksgiving dinner, like crickets. Yeah. And like, um, who are you? Yeah. This is because for a while I thought I was putting on a pretty good front. Yeah. Until I realized, you know, my friends and family were starting to speak out saying, okay, you are a totally different person now. Um, they're, they're rallying for an intervention or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's, it's not anything any family kind of wants to have to do. Um, well, so, and you talk again, kind of back to the guilt and shame topic. So if you don't mind, I want to kind of, kind of throw out, can I get my soapbox out here? Stand yeah. on it. Right. Okay. Um, so this is that part where I, I'm a big believer. There's this type of therapy called acceptance and commitment therapy. Um, the acronym is ACT. And what I like about acceptance and commitment therapy is that it's kind of saying, you know, we kind of get to the place we are in life because of all of our experiences. And so nobody really understands what, what has brought us to where we are. Because first of all, that I think that puts in context when everybody else is trying to fix and judge. You just need to do this. You just yeah, need to do yeah. this, right? Because, I mean, that's the part where I think people feel like if they're in the addiction, they feel like, okay, but you don't understand. You know, it's not that easy to just do that, right? Right. So acceptance and commitment therapy says, okay, you're going to have these thoughts. You're going to have these emotions. You're going to want to act out. You're going to want to find validation elsewhere. And and that's going to be more, it, it makes sense. Why? Because of the stuff that, that has brought you to that point. Now enters guilt and shame. So now at that point, then do those help or do they hinder um, recovery, right? They, they hinder it. They get in the way of it because, you know, all they're going to do is say, okay, I can't believe you're in this spot and you're in this spot because you're a horrible person and all these sort of things, right? Yeah. So acceptance and commitment therapy does a cool thing where once we kind of say, all right, you are not a horrible person because you have these thoughts and feelings and whatever. It's because of all the stuff you've been through. I mean, that's just, here we are, right? right. Now, now what do we do with it? So then um, it talks about what do we do? We change the relationship with our thoughts where that's where we kind of start to say, instead of it saying, I'm bad, you know, and this sounds so cheesy. So when I'm talking to somebody in the moment, it's like, hey, how about put some distance between that thought? So I notice I am feeling bad when I send pictures to all of these people, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, there's power in that though. Because like, I'm not bad, you know, but but I notice I feel bad when I do this. So we're already kind of saying we're we're externalizing the the problem a little bit. And then it's like, okay, now, so then it's like anytime I think, okay, but I'm an idiot or I'll never get over this or those sort of things then are those thoughts productive? And that's like the most boring thing I say, but I must say it a hundred times a day in my own head. And I try to say that to my clients all the time. You know, when you have that negative thought, when you have that guilt or shame-based thought, is it a productive thought? Does it get you any closer to what your core goals or values or beliefs are? Right. And if not, then let's move it on through, right? But that is so hard to do when yeah. you are just like in that 
dark place in life where you don't believe you're any better. So it's you. I could say all day long. I'm awesome. I am better than addiction. But I know you did say that you're the positive affirmations. Okay, I love that you just said that because how do you get somebody then to, you're right, how do you get them to start doing the work even though it's not feeling genuine yet, right? Right. It's it's like starting to form those habits. If you kind of go in the way the brain works and we're trying to carve new neurological pathways in the brain and it doesn't happen overnight and... Man, see, this is, we're on to something here, right? Yeah. Okay, because you're right. Because you're feeling, you're feeling like, yeah, old man, you don't get it, you know? Yeah. You, or you, yeah. You, you can say, I don't. I'm not an old man. I mean, that's the part where you could have said that right then. You could have. No, you could have. When no. I just said, anyway. <laughs> okay. Apparently, Ashley thinks I'm an but old you man. You are an old man. You know what? Get off my lawn for the third time. <laughs> get okay? off my podcast. <laughs> that's right. But so, but I mean, so that is the key. So I think if yeah, how do you get someone to start doing the work, doing the the mindfulness exercises, mm-hmm. whether it's the breathing or whether it's a mantra, or how do you get somebody then just to start getting some movement, doing some some walking, some exercise? How do you get them to start doing the positive affirmations, all the self care work, even when they're not buying into it? Because you're right. It, in that moment. I don't think that I, I watch as clients feel like that's really not going to make a difference. But in the but it sounds like in the long run, though, it does. Right. It absolutely does. Okay. And, you know, I had to, you know, people assume just look in the mirror and talk to yourself. Right. Okay, well, I felt like an even bigger idiot <laughs> staring at an idiot in the mirror oh. telling myself I'm not an idiot. <laughs> and so so I had to find other ways where it was like, OK, so don't look in the mirror. Just say it out loud. Make a list. And just read it if mm. I have to, if I don't want to say it out loud. And then I found this app, um, and I think it's called Think Up. And it let me record my affirmations, and then it played it on repeat to, like, this really soothing music. That's kind of cool. So I could hear my own voice, which is huge. You can hear other people say, you are awesome. You are intelligent. You have worth. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't know me. What exactly, do you know? Exactly, right? right? Oh, so but when is, you are saying yeah, it Yeah, this is a battle cool with yourself. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, like, very, like, soothing music. Um, it's Tony, very uplifting. Tony's ADD moment, can I yeah. tell you? All right, so, uh, by the way, did I mention uh, that I think your listeners should go find my podcast called the virtual couch yeah okay not to be confused with the comfy couch no big comfy couch is that from uh, bear in the big blue house or is that from blues clues the big Neither. comfy couch no False. it's the show in the 90s remember that girl with her little rag doll <laughs> and she would like pull like everything in the world out of her big comfy couch yeah actually i've forgotten about that anyway where yeah, were we virtual okay couch. so all right so yeah, please go <laughs> um there's an episode i i released a couple weeks ago where i was able to go speak at a church and uh and the, it was talking about ways to communicate with your spouse, some good old marriage therapy. Right. And, and there's about five minutes left. And all of a sudden, and, I, you know, and I'm kind of starting to really get into this. And he's having me wrap it up. And it's we got this, like, screen in front of us that shows a countdown. And I'm I'm feeling it. And I really feel like, man, this just feels good. Something feels different. And it's because there's a guy in the back strumming the coolest guitar music ever that they start to do toward the end, right? Dang. So, I mean, right? And all of a sudden, and I even had to say, I'm like, if we could all walk around with that kind of music around us all the time. Oh. Oh, I mean, it was just like, you know, I, I would just feel like I got this thing. So I love that this app, you're saying these positive affirmations, there's this cool music. So maybe if I think what we're saying then is if everybody could have someone that follows them around playing some really cool music, right. it would be a lot easier to kind of break free from some of these automatic negative thoughts and some of this negative self-talk. See, so you just, honestly, in order to cure addiction, what you're saying is you just need to hire someone to play the acoustic guitar behind you. Yeah. <laughs> that is. The, the whole, like, what would be the soundtrack to your life song that, like, people have always thought about? Like, who even knows? Yeah. But something uplifting. Yeah. It was really cool, though. And, yeah, no. Yeah. That's a, 
that's cool that you like recognize. <laughs> oh, I'm feeling good right now. Yeah, yeah. We're just getting started. Right, and right. he was like, time up. Yeah. So did that. How often would you listen to that app? So then I would play it every morning while I got ready. Um, and or like dropping my kids off at school or something. Or I even would like put my headphones in and listen to it when I was getting really worked up and stressed. Mm. I'm like, okay, I need a minute to myself. I don't want to hear anybody else talk. I want to hear myself talk to myself about awesome things. how I'm going to get through this moment and this moment will pass. And yeah. any of the negative feelings I was having, yeah, it would just, boom, let's acknowledge it. Because I feel like you can't just ignore your feelings and no. your thoughts. You have to acknowledge it. Say, okay, I'm feeling stressed out right now or I am feeling ugly or like a loser because of this, this, and this. However, I know, enter I statements. Oh, there you go. I know I'm not. I know I am this, this, and this. So if you validate that and you acknowledge that feeling, then let it go. It it's it doesn't have that weight on you anymore. It's yeah. not it's not a burden. So I and I, I like what you're saying there too. So I, the we can't ignore those feelings. I think a lot of people want to ignore them, but you kind of eventually learn how to just see it as it's. Uh, here's what I love about mindfulness. So if you can can become an observer of your thoughts for a minute, how many thoughts are you going to have in the span of a minute? Like a zillion of them, right? right. They're going to go everywhere, and you're going to have negative thoughts and positive thoughts and crazy thoughts and funny thoughts. But then why do we? attach such a value to certain thoughts some of the negative thoughts right Mm -hmm. so we need to learn how to like to to kind of yeah be in that moment you're going to feel that thought you're going to learn how to breathe you're going to learn how to use um positive affirmations you're going to learn how to do something to then kind of get through that thought i had a client uh last week who was talking about um it's a guy who he said that he realized this was an epiphany that he realized that he really just didn't like that feeling of being uncomfortable, whether it was with food, whether it was with, you know, um, sex, whether it was with whatever. And that when that feeling hit, he was so, you know, detached from kind of working through that moment. And then knowing that there's a, there's a, another side to that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and something I heard earlier, which I thought was super cool is just that feelings aren't fact. Yeah. Boom. That's like when I heard that, I was like, oh, well, yeah, because if everyone's feelings were actually true, this world would be an even more giant mess of sensitive people left and right. Yeah. And it would just That's be good. chaos. There's Yeah. So there's that, that. And I've also heard there's so many cool versions of that. I've heard a thought is a thought is a thought. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a book right behind me there that says you are not your brain. And that one that one is so cool because it talks about. That your your thoughts literally are these like electrical impulses that your brain pulls out of the conscious or subconscious. It's like there's a thought, and then we go, "That's pretty important," you know. That right. that must be me, right? Um, a lot of times I do this uh, stuff early on in therapy. It's called uh, well, it's working with this thing called inappropriate thought syndrome, which I think is is part of even all of this stuff. Where it's everybody has thoughts, everybody has crazy thoughts, obtrusive thoughts, inappropriate thoughts. Everybody, everybody has them. Um, the second part of that is that just because you have those thoughts doesn't mean that that's who you are. Right. Then the kind of the cool part is then, then the third part is that thought, thought suppression doesn't work. I like to say that um, if I have a, a, an inappropriate thought um, and then all of a sudden I think, man, I'm a bad person. Well, that's not a productive thought, right? So I'm going to say, okay, everybody has those thoughts. Just because I have that thought doesn't mean that's who I am. But then if I say, man, I need to stop thinking that, I feel like your brain basically now it, oh, this is going to get a rise out of him. And your brain writes the thought on a sign. And every time you're like, I can't think about this. Your brain's like, this thing? You know, and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I can't think about that because that means I'm bad. And your brain's like, you mean this, right? And it keeps going back to that. So it's like, why do we give so much 
I don't know. So much uh, attention and focus on it. But yeah. the funny thing is, is like we act as if people can hear our thoughts and that they think the same. Whereas, like I can think you're the most amazing therapist ever. Oh, stop right there. <laughs> Let's kind of sit in this moment. Actually, yeah, here's where yeah. I want to teach people to kind of just be present, right? <laughs> be mindful of. Yeah, yeah. How Let's just sit. Wait, hold. Let's sit a little more. Keep going. Should I do another uh, round of applause effect on here? <laughs> uh, maybe not. Okay. But anyway, where were you going with this? Keep going. I like where you're headed. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, I derailed you tonight. Totally. What was, what was, oh, that's snort three. Oh, no. That's way more than three, my friend. Okay. Well, yeah. That's like seven or eight. Well, yeah. I, is, I was hiding some of them. This is more and more embarrassing now. Okay. No. Now um, I feel shame. Yeah. Let's talk about that shame. <laughs> How does that make me feel? I know. It's not productive, Ashley. That's it's the whole not. thing. I'm going to move that thought on through. I know. But what did I just I don't say know. And my whole job as a therapist is we call it tracking. So... Um, here's a fun fact while we're trying to get back on track, we right? We both have ADD. Oh, big time, right? Oh, so, so right here though, as a therapist, if I'm in the office and somebody said something and I have maybe, and I'm really good at being present now, I really am, I want you to know, but if I have kind of got myself caught on something and then somebody's like, wait a minute, what was I just saying? I, I should know because I should be tracking with the client, but an old therapist trick, kind of like an old Jedi trick, right? Is in mm-hmm. to go, do you know what? Honestly, um, let's go back to that thing you talked about a minute ago. And that's a nice therapist, clever way of saying I don't really remember what you were talking about, right? Yeah, 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 definitely. Okay, wait. So I just <laughs> Did remembered. Did you get it? Yeah, what I okay. was going to talk about was how our feelings or in like how we, the, the thoughts that we have. Oh, people, you were saying people, people can't hear your thoughts. can't hear it, right? Obviously. Um, so that's not how they view you. Right. So I could be freaking out sitting here being like, oh, my gosh, I look like such an idiot because I oh, just right. forgot Wait. what I was going to say. Well, you were talking about how awesome I was. That's where it, and that rattled you, I think. Right. I was, like, overcome <laughs> by how cool I am sitting next to this snorting bald guy. Thank you. Uh, on a podcast. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, is this a good moment? Yes, <laughs> it, it is a pivotal moment in my okay. career. All right. But, yes. We're going to make it one. Okay. Um, And so... <laughs> So I could be sitting here thinking, okay, oh my gosh, I just forgot what I was going to say. Yeah. And, you know, I could dwell on it and go as far as like, I'm a loser. Who's going to even pay attention to this anymore? Um, and, but other people on the outside be like, wow, this is so valuable. This is, this is really helpful. Yeah. You know, the jokes and stuff is lighthearted. It, and it's not that it's not a serious topic and addiction is very serious, right. but Humor is great, shedding some light on it. So if I just were to dwell on that, and whereas other people aren't viewing me that way because we're our own worst critics. Yeah, absolutely. So I have a podcast uh, called Imposter Syndrome. Mm-hmm. And that one, um, I think th- that one has been an interesting one. I get, I get a lot of good feedback from my podcast, but that one, a lot of people have said, wow, I, I had no idea I even had imposter syndrome. I mean, and so I have it right now. I feel mm-hmm. like people are going to listen to this and say, who is this clown, right? Even though I've, I've spent, you know, a decade plus and work with a thousand plus people on this topic and feel passionate about it. And, and you feel passionate about your work, but I, I don't know. Do you ever have that imposter syndrome where you feel like somebody's going to just knock on the door, open it and say, uh, Hey, you guys, you're, you're, you don't really know what you're talking about. You're kind of done now. Right. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, but that's just like my insecurities that yeah. I was thinking, okay, how do I prove to people I know what I'm talking well, about? Well, can I even say, so I feel like imposter syndrome takes an effect on on people who are trying to be in recovery as well, because I think that they are they tell themselves these stories of like, you're not the guy that, 
you know, can, can overcome this. You're not that, you're not that story you see on the news or, uh, Instagram or whatever, the before and after that's, that's not you. Oh gosh. Social media. Yeah. 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 So everyone is How like, about it, huh? I'm so happy and my life's great. Oh yeah. my gosh. I have a good job and look at my kids all smiling in this one photo. Um, but th- you don't see the photos where it's like, uh, okay, your house is a mess. Mm-hmm. Your marriage is falling apart because you guys fight all the time. Yeah. Um, you try to take family photos and one kid has like a snot bubble and the other one's like picking flowers and, you know, whatever. It's like, it's not real. Yeah. It's a facade. Yeah. And so that has always been something where it's like, I try to be as blunt and forward and real as possible. If it's good, bad, negative, the ugly. It all has to get talked about. It the, the where my mind goes with that is the greatest thing that I ever saw you posting about was I think it was like what the uh, Alexa was hearing from a kid maybe. Oh my gosh! Okay, <laughs> that was very vulnerable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so backstory real quick. I have an Alexa, and um, my daughter has one in her room at her dad's house, and it was her nap time or bedtime, whatever it was. And she was talking to Alexa um, because there was a timer set for when she could come out of her room after quiet time. And um, she and it records everything you say, apparently. And um, she was just like, I'm going to fight you, Alexa. I'm not I'm not doing uh, quiet time or nap time. And she was just my five year old kept telling that she was going to fight this speaker. Right. And I was just like, oh, boy, you are so worked up inside about having to do quiet time. That you're gonna fight, right? Non-existing. Right. It was wonderful, person. and yeah. I, I would. I, my money was on your daughter, by the way. I think she could have taken that speaker. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Okay. Oh yeah. I'm gonna leave that. Okay. So. Um, We're good on time. Yeah, I got a couple more minutes. Yeah. 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 So. Let's talk about like okay. There's a ton of guilt and shame around. Faith-based. Oh, gosh, yes. Okay. Um, so, like I'd mentioned earlier, growing up and being LDS, yeah. you know, you wait until marriage to have sex. Yeah. And that is valued so incredibly high that it is one of the biggest no-nos to break. Yeah. Right? So, <clears throat> we value it so high. And then, you know, if you make mistakes, you go, do you talk to your bishop or, you know, Catholics, they have to go. Yeah, to a confessional, talk confess. to a priest. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you go through that whole thing. Um, so imagine kind of like breaking the biggest no-no or rule, commandment, yeah. whatever you want to call it, um, over and over and over again. There's it's It's not something you can just talk to your friends or your people in the ward or whatever it is, your church, and just be like, hey, so uh, you guys struggle with sex too? Or is that just me? And then they all kind of look at you like, you know, you're so afraid of the judgment that comes with it or just being like, uh, you know, how are you even here at church? Like yeah. you, you feel those things and there's, there are people who will say those that's, things. Yeah, that's a problem, right? I mean, I think that, okay, so I, I typically give, when I get a, a new client who, you know, faith-based client who comes in, I really like to give the, you know, because I feel like they're ready to just get, you know, guilted and shamed by whoever is in front of them, right? Whether yeah. it's a religious leader or a therapist. So I love to kind of, I mean, if we're going to go faith-based, I love to say, look, I mean, you know, uh 
you know, God created man and woman and said, uh, replenish the earth, right? Multiply and replenish the earth that, that, that sex in itself is an amazing thing. And it's like the, if you ever look at the way, um, I would say the way babies are made, right? right? But I mean, that is a miracle of all miracles. So from that standpoint, you know, how do we, why, you know, why do we initially just out of the gate say sex is bad, right? So I kind of feel like the, the the answer to that is just being able to have more open conversations and not make sex such a taboo subject when we're kind of talking to our kids. Um, yeah. I just spoke at a school last week about how to talk to your kids about sex. Oh, yeah. And man, I spent 30 minutes setting the table with, you know, no guilt and shame. We want our kids to be able to come to us and talk to us about anything. And I feel like the parents in attendance were kind of like, hey, when are you going to tell us what to tell our kids about sex? And I, and, and I made the point that, no, we have to develop a relationship early on with our kids where, okay, here's another one of my soapboxes. I'll say this one quick. I feel like any teenager I work with, the way that you start to build rapport is, you, you know, you get the teenager in and you say, hey, have your parents said that they want you to be able to come to them and talk to them about anything? And I'm not a big all or nothing statement guy, but I feel like every teenager in the world has said, yeah, they, they, they've told me that. Mm-hmm. And I say, what happens if you go to him and you say, I failed a class, I got a ticket, I smoked pot, I had sex. And then he's like, oh, they freak out, you know? So yeah. it's like, now what do you do the next time you have some big topic that you want to bring to him? And it's like, oh, I'm, I either don't or I'm, I'm not being honest or I'm, you know, hiding the truth. Right. So I kind of feel like that in itself is, you know, as parents, um, we need to be able to have more open conversations with our kids without that fixing and judgment. So I think that plays into the whole sex. It's almost like, hey, champ, you can come talk to me about anything, just not things that I don't really want you to talk about. Right. So if (laughs) if you come up to me at age eight and say, you know, hey, you know, so and so said this is where babies come from. And parents are all, you're too young. That's, you know, stork, stork, exactly. (laughs) Double down on stork. Then what does that get? That kid's like, holy cow, what just happened? Right. Yeah. And he's like, I'm not going anywhere near that topic again. And right? then they'll turn to their friend oh, and be like, okay, absolutely. tell me more. Because- right. And he's like, let me show you this magazine. Although that's dating myself. Let me take you to the internet and I'll show you. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which that's not what we want either. So I feel like a big part of the faith based is that, is that already there's been this kind of table set of guilt and shame around sexuality. And now I'll be honest. I do feel like if, if your goal you know, is abstinence or is, is not, you know, having sex before marriage and that sort of, that is a great goal to have. And I feel like even actually I had a quote, I wish I had my papers from that, um, that talk, but it was talking about how the more we talk about sexuality, healthy sexuality, um, it's a, it's an overwhelmingly lower percentage of teenage pregnancy of, you know, people acting out because we can talk about it more because it doesn't become, um, in the therapy world, sometimes we call it the forbidden other. It doesn't become the thing that it's like, this thing must be good because we can't talk about it at all, right? Right. But yeah. I feel like if something is so good, you should talk about exactly. it. Exactly. So I feel like we're it's doing a better opposite. job. I mean, I, and, and people listening are maybe not are not having that experience. And, and as a as a faith-based um, therapist, it's I have I have lots of uh, LDS bishops and Catholic priests and and you know uh, Protestant pastors who do a nice job of saying, "Man, thank you for coming in." You know, if you're struggling with problems around pornography or compulsive sexual behavior or whatever, and that will say thank you for coming in. And it's a and it's like a it's a relief. It's a it is a strength based model. Get the guilt and shame out of there because now we can kind of talk about it, and then we can talk about where the the hardest, you know, problems are in dealing with this. So first step is to be able to be able to feel like there is somebody you can go talk to and that person is not going to shut you down. Right. Right. And so quickly on that topic, it's, it's important to realize that it's not a specific religion or a belief system or something. Um, It could strictly be 
just that one person. So if you have a bad experience yeah. in confessing something to somebody, that doesn't mean that whole religion is negative and that that's how it is. That could just be that one person. And that's point a, there's of a view. big part of that right and now. And that is so freaking frustrating because, <laughs> you know, like I had talked with my bishop for, um, it was about a full year. And in the beginning, we both acknowledged, I was like, I don't even really know why I'm here because I'm not ready to stop what I'm doing. But it helps to have somebody to talk to and just kind of get it out there that this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm struggling with because he was able to offer me tips and comfort and know. And he was like, obviously, you're still very welcome here. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Church is for sinners. Yeah. And it is where we go to become more perfect, not more perfect, but perfect. And um, to become better people as a community because who's not sinning in some right. way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I just, I just think that's always very important because some people have negative um, experiences. reactions, yeah. Yeah, experiences to it. And so they're just like, well, forget it. Who even cares? Yeah. Um, or, you know, you go the total opposite in, you know, waiting until marriage. Then there's that handful of women who believe, okay, well, I've been taught my whole life. No, 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 yeah. no. Don't do these things. Don't do these things. And then they finally get married and they can and they feel like it's oh. it's bad. Yep. It's it's disgusting or they feel like their body's now impure. And it's like, what yeah. on earth? Like, no, this is the best thing. Yeah. It is amazing for a marriage and a couple. And it creates children and families and all these like positive things. And not even including like your brain and your body, like the endorphins it creates and all these like amazing things, right? And yeah. so to have it just be like, no, 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 no. And then, then they get to okay, that moment where they right? can, they're like, uh, yeah, maybe let's just like high five. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, bud. I mean, I, I, maybe in the future we can, I would love to do one on uh, <laughs> uh, kind of get come back and talk about there's these levels of intimacy. And I think a lot of times, yeah, when we kind of put that, the sexual intimacy between a couple, if that, if that's kind of like the feeling of because it's never been talked about, because it's like this holy grail that we're working toward, but we've never been able to talk about it. And it's, and it's bad, 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 but then it's yes. And, you know, I think that people get so focused on that's, that is what I want, right? This sexual relationship. Right. But now we look at there's these levels of intimacy underneath it where, you know, the lowest rung, it's psychological intimacy. It's being able to say, do I, can I trust this person? Is there loyalty and honesty and commitment? And then up from that is verbal intimacy. Can we talk about things? Up from that's emotional intimacy. Can I trust this person with my emotions and feelings? Above that, the next rung is this cognitive or intellectual intimacy where it's like, okay, we both have our strengths and weaknesses and we still dig each other. Above that is spiritual intimacy where we can, you know, we can feel safe and secure even if we have different religious beliefs. And the top rung is the physical and sexual intimacy. So when all of those are in oh, place, yeah, yeah. The, the, the physical and the sexual is like the byproduct of all of these other parts of intimacy. So I feel like when we put a lot of guilt and shame around sex and talking about it, then in essence, what we're kind of setting the table for is for people to say, I just want this thing, this top one, because we've never talked about it. Right. And, and as a family, I could never talk about it. And it's, and it's shame based and all this stuff. So then they get there and it's like, okay, uh, who can I have, you know, who, who is willing to have sex with me? Let's get married. Well, and then right. it's like, and right. It's like and then we haven't done any of that. Yeah. And then it's like, and so in that world, then all of a sudden it's like, okay, we did that. Now let's go look at all these lower levels of the run, right. the, the levels of intimacy. And it's like, Ooh, we got some problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then the problem is then we go like, but we run back up to sex because that's where we felt that connection. And then we're never quite equally yoked in that plane. So then it's like, man, you what do you where... have in common? How yeah. else can you connect? Yeah. 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 Exactly. Anyway. Okay. Okay. Got... So what would you say to women 
sex addicts who are listening out there or just women who are struggling in general um, with intimacy, what would you say about guilt and shame? Okay. Uh, first of all, yeah, again, go back to that. It really, it's not productive. It's not a productive thought to have, especially in the world of recovery, because it's it's not going to, um, it's not going to bring you closer to, it's not a strength-based you know, part of recovery that's going to have you feeling like I can do this. Um, guilt and shame is still kind of tapping into these automatic negative thoughts, these this negative self-talk that's saying, you know what? No, you can't, you yeah. know? So first of all, we got to recognize that, yeah, the guilt, I mean, there's going to be some guilt. The shame part is the stuff that's saying, you know, you you cannot do this. And so that it just, we need to kind of move that on through. It's just a thought. A thought is a thought. Um, it's something we need. It's not productive. We need to move it on through our brain. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, I could keep going, but I know, like, no, you're good. Um, I just wanted to thank all of our listeners today and to remember that you are worthy of true love. You're worthy of a healthy, happy relationship. And I want you to focus on letting this shame or any guilt that you have, forgive yourself, forgive others that you have wronged so that you can move forward to start valuing yourself and your body and learn to just be comfortable by yourself and not depending on using your body um, to interact with other people and just be comfortable with who you are. Um, And then one more time, Tony, let us know how we can we, oh, you're too reach kind. out yeah. to you. So my online pornography addiction recovery program is pathbackrecovery.com. And my podcast is called The Virtual Couch. You can find it on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. Or I've got a website that's virtualcouch.xyz. That is like a legit domain. Really? So yeah, so if you go there, all the episodes are there as well. But And then um, there's a contact form on the Virtual Couch page or on the Pathback Recovery page. And if you go to pathbackrecovery.com, I've got a little ebook. It's really short, but it's, it talks about five mistakes that people make when trying to overcome pornography and sex addiction. And that is not tailored just for men. So uh, just for men. Sounds like a hair... Just for hair, right, just yeah, beards. yeah, exactly. Yeah. I make my beard darker, right? Yeah, but, but yeah. women have beards too, so they, you know that, that's up next on uh, <laughs> Ashley next. Noel, right? Okay. <laughs> hey, thanks for thanks for uh, having me here. No, it thank you so much for taking the time to come on here, talk about it, be vulnerable, snort in front of everybody. Lots of you know, um, good conversation, good laughs, and love it, appreciate it. I know everyone out there is gonna, and we'll have to have you on again for sure. Anytime talk about other things. All right, everyone have a great and fantastic weekend. And remember to be kind to one another and love yourself.